as I've gotten to know you, I believe uh, most of you have, uh, if not all of you, I think maybe have uh, made a profession of faith in Christ as your Savior. And can I say that's a good thing? In uh, Revelation 7, we we see a pause. Um, we saw in chapter 6, we saw the scroll. Remember, we have the scroll all rolled up and uh, on that scroll were those seven seals, and uh, we have started opening this scroll by taking off those seals, and we saw those six seals that were uh, opened on uh, in chapter 6, and now before that seventh seal has been opened, uh, we, we have what would be considered an interlude, and uh, we're, we're going to see that this must uh, take place. Uh, and, and not everything in Revelation, I believe, uh, uh, is uh, um, right after another. Uh, what is the word I'm thinking about? Yeah, consecutive. And so there are some parentheses that take place, and there's uh, different interludes, but I believe that this one is uh, consecutive in what's taking place. And so this happens right after that sixth seal, now we come to chapter 7, and we're going to see uh, two things here. We're, we're going to see the, uh, we're going to see 144,000, uh, I call them Jewish evangelists, that uh, will be uh, chosen by God and protected by God, that will be preaching the gospel all throughout the tribulation period. But we're also going to see the tribulation saints, a multitude of martyrs, uh, in this chapter two, uh, uh, also, and so, but it, it's kind of so we we kind of take a break from after the six seals and for the seventh seal, and we'll find out in chapter eight that when that seventh seal is open, then uh, it's it's going to open up into. Um, uh, I always get them confused whether it's the. It's the trumpets, and so we'll open it up into the seven trumpets, and then later on after the seven trumpets, then we'll have the seven uh, vials of wrath or the seven bowls of wrath. So there are three different uh, times where of, of uh, different administrations of wrath that are going to take place on the earth. But this is interesting here in uh, chapter 7. So first of all, we see a description of, Five angels and the four winds in verses 1 through 4. And it says, And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. So there is an insinuation that they cover the entire earth, and they're on all points of the map, and, and so... Uh, and it's holding back the wind. Wonder what that's going to do for all of those windmills out there. You know, <laughs> uh, can you could you really imagine though? Uh, think about the devastation if there is no wind anywhere. I, I, I mean, I I, I couldn't. Uh, I mean, you think about you think about plagues. You think about the how the wind does affect things and and. Uh, helps clear things out, helps bring in storms, I mean, different things, and no wind whatsoever. And so they are told then to um, hold back the wind. And then we see the fifth angel described in verse 2, and I saw another angel, and 
uh, in the Greek language, there are two different words for another. There, there is the another of a same kind, and then there's a, a word used for another of a different sort. And so remember when Jesus said that I will send you another comforter? That's another of the same sort. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit of God. And so just like Jesus is the Holy Spirit because he's the third person of the Trinity. And, but here we see also that another angel of the same sort and ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And so the very seal that we know that had been used to uh, hold the scroll shut and, and the one that the lamb is taking those seals off, it's the... It's the signet of the ring of the king, and and this is God's signet. And so here the angel has that, so we know that he is now operating on the authority of God himself. And so, and so what is he going to do? And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. Now, I don't uh, know exactly what uh, they, you know, at this moment, what that devastation was supposed to be, but obviously they were to hurt the earth and the sea. I think it also ought to open our minds up to understand the power of angels. And they are a created being, but God also says that they're more powerful than humans. And they're smarter, they're, they're um, obviously more powerful than we are, and here we see the strength of these special angels that uh, God is using, that they were going to hurt uh, the earth and the sea. And so he comes and he says, commanding, saying, hurt not the earth. And so don't, don't, don't do this, stop what you're getting ready to do, and neither the sea nor the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And so now we have to see who is their forehead, who, who is he talking about. And so we see here, and he goes on in verse 4, And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. And so here we see that uh, these are 144,000 Jews. Now, uh, uh, and, and we see that he's going to use them to preach the gospel. And, and so these are Jews that were saved during the tribulation period. So, and, and we're going to find that there are going to be many more. People can, can get really off on wh who these 144,000 are. Back in the day, back in the 1800s, I believe, the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses taught that those 144,000 were Jehovah's Witnesses. And, and uh, it was them, you know, and, and so it was going to build that number. Well, they had to change their mind after they got more than 144,000 following their false, uh, their false religion. And, and, uh, but this is, this is not anyone of the church. This is the Jews. And so it's not Gentiles, it's Jews and from the Jewish nation. And, I mean, it's quite evident when he goes in and he starts describing uh, who they are, and they're going to have this seal upon uh, their forehead, and you're, we're going to find as we read throughout the book that these Jewish evangelists who are preaching the gospel are divinely protected by God and will not die, and they will see the second coming of Christ, and so they are divinely protected by God. 
There are going to be many others who are saved during the tribulation period. Many Jews will be saved. Many Gentiles will be saved during that time. But many of them will end up being martyred during uh, the um, tribulation period. And we're going to see many of them by this time have already been martyred. So, yes, there is a peace in the first three and a half years of the tribulation but it's short-lived because by the time we get to this period of time, and we're, we're right at about the, the halfway period now, and uh, we're either at the very end of the three and a half years or we're just starting the what we would consider the Great Tribulation period, and uh, we see that there are going to be many who have been martyred by this time. And so he goes in, and, and now he tells us the the uh, the the Jews and and uh, of all of the tribes that are uh, chosen by God, and he, in verses five through eight. So here's the hundred and forty four thousand Jews, and of the tribe of Judah were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Reuben were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Asher were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Nephthalim. Uh, were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Manassas were sealed 12,000. And of the tribe of Simeon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Levi were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Issachar were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zabulon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. And so couple of things that are interesting here is that Dan is not mentioned. And so Dan was one of the, the 12, and he's not mentioned here. And uh, you go back and you read the history of Dan, and uh, Dan was the first tribe to go into idolatry. And if you remember, Dan was the one that was almost completely destroyed by the other nations because of uh, of their idolatry and what they had done. And so there is speculation, but that's all that's all you can do is speculate why, um, but it does seem to be that's part of it. And, and then secondly, we see not only is Dan not mentioned, but Ephraim is not mentioned either. But instead of Ephraim not being mentioned, we have Joseph who is mentioned. And along with Joseph is his son Manasseh, and if you go back and you read in Genesis chapter 48, and it, do you remember when, when Jacob was lying on his deathbed and, and he had Joseph in there, he had Joseph bring his two boys in there and he blessed them both. And Joseph was actually given that double portion. And so here we see that Joseph's name is mentioned and his son Manasseh is mentioned also. And, and so it seems that this would be a fulfillment of uh, Genesis chapter 48. And so here we have the, the Jews that are sealed by God and, and uh, saved, and, and we'll see them used later on also. And after this, so now in, in verses 9 and 10, we see the uh, introduction to the multitude. And this is talking about Jews and Gentiles, all of them, after this, and so after the sealing of these 144,000, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number. Now, I, 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 don't, know, I don't know what to think about 
some things. It, it tells us over in 1 Thessalonians, and uh, I didn't write it down. It's either in chapter 4 or chapter 5, uh, I believe, where it tells us that those that uh, go into the tribulation period are, are given a strong delusion. And, and so I have heard people say that if someone in this time period hears the gospel and they reject the gospel, do not trust in the gospel, and they go into the tribulation period, then they've missed their, their opportunity to trust Christ. And they're going to believe a delusion for the rest of their time. I, I, I don't, I'm not necessarily all totally on board with that. And so maybe it, maybe it is the truth. I, I think that many of them will. I believe many that will reject the gospel and, and they say no to the gospel and they go into the tribulation period. They've come to a point where God is going to turn them over to that reprobate mind and, and he's going to allow them to believe what they want to believe and it will be a lie. And they're going to believe that lie and they're going to end up dying and going to hell for their rejection of Jesus Christ. However, it tells us here, and, and this is the part that I have a struggle with, is that th there are going to be so many saved during this tribulation period that no man can number them. Now, I have a hard time believing that in this day and age that, that there are that many people out there that haven't had an opportunity somewhere, even on... Uh, on the internet to have at least heard the gospel at some point in time. Now, I know there are, there are tribes out there and people that don't have the internet, and I understand that. But anyway, it just, I, I don't know, it just makes me wonder, you know, what, what do you do with those who are maybe on the verge of trusting Christ as their Savior, and they're, and they're tender to it, and they're, and they're not against it, and then the trip, you know, the rapture takes place, and uh, do they are have they lost their opportunity to be saved? I, I don't know, and so I don't I don't. That's not a hill I'm going to die on. On uh, teaching that and uh, that there's no way you'll ever have a chance. I definitely uh, wouldn't want to be in that position. And to to because you don't know and and there's no certainty there, and so. But here it says that a great multitude which no man can number. Of all nations and kindreds, uh, the different tribes and people and, and tongues, the different languages that uh, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes. And so having been clothed, so now they are just at this point being given their, their, their robes and palms in their hands, which we know uh, as Christ was entering into Jerusalem, we know the palms were used to in celebration and so they were given their white robes and they were given palms to celebrate the the savior who had saved them and and we're going to find out that these are the people that have been martyred during the first half of the tribulation period and so and they cried with a loud voice and so we we uh, see the introduction to these guys in verse 9 these people and now we get into verse 10 and they're crying out in worship and praise and cried with a loud voice, a, a great voice. Can you imagine? I mean, you have, you have here uh, a number that no man can, can count. 
I mean, and they're all singing the praises of God. I, I, I don't think we can fathom what truly is going to take place in heaven. I, I don't think that, and, and that's probably why God doesn't spend a whole lot of time on, on a description of heaven because I, I just don't think we have the words to describe it. And, and there's no way to describe the excellency and the, the beauty and, and uh, the magnificence of the place that we are going to be for all eternity. And, and, but he does spend a lot of time describing hell. And he wants people to understand that that's not the place that you want to go. It wasn't prepared for us and not mankind at all. It was prepared for Satan and his angels and and, but there are many who are going to choose to follow Satan rather than God. And they're going to cry with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. The Lamb being Jesus Christ. And salvation is of God, the one who sits on the throne. And, and uh, the plan was fulfilled through Jesus Christ, the Son. And so we see the, the praise that's taking place. And and now we continue to, to see the heavenly host that's described in verses 11 and 12. And all the angels stood round about. Now, we're, we're going to find many places in the scripture that there are millions of angels. I mean, it's, it's amazing to think that. So, so now you have, right now you have a, a number that no one can count that has been martyred. During the tribulation period, that's a, that's a fantastic number. I mean, think about in in, in one of the uh, in in one of the seals we saw that a quarter of the population is wiped out through war, famine, pestilence, uh, uh, death, and I, I mean all you know the starvation and all of that. I mean, and we're thinking if it happens right now, that's two billion people that lose their lives through that seal. But now we have on top of that, we have people losing their lives for one reason, because they place their faith in Christ as their Savior. And that's why they are losing their lives. And, and so uh, it's just amazing to think. And, and now you have uh, all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders. And so now the elders are around the, the throne the 24 elders is who he's talking about. Remember, the 24 elders represent the church age believers. So that's everyone that was raptured, whether dead or alive, that have been come up out of the grave, that uh, the dead shall rise first, that has died during the church age, they rise first, and then those who are alive will be caught up with Jesus in the air. And, and so we have those 24 elders represented, and and we, we know and understand that because as Solomon in his day had set up the priest where uh, they would serve in the, in the presence of God and they would rotate until finally all the priests had, go, uh, had gone and served in the presence of God. And, and that priesthood of the believer represented us today that one day we also will get to do that and set in the very presence of God and serve him there. And so those elders representing the church-age believers. So you have the angels, you have the church-age believers, which, how many would that be? I mean, millions, if not billions, maybe, of, of people that 
definitely millions of people that have been saved. You have millions of angels that are praising. You have obviously millions of, of those who who get saved during the tribulation period that all of them are praising God and the four beasts, that's the four angels that are guarding the throne and and these these angels that are guarding the throne are not the same angels that are holding back the winds on all four corners of the earth and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God. What a what a true beautiful picture of perfect worship to our savior. And it reminds me of the humility that we ought to have when we come into the presence of our God. And and it reminds us of the love that he has for us and and how thankful we ought to be that he has saved us from from a devil's hell. And this is what they were saying, saying, Amen. Verily, truly, we agree, God. Blessing and glory. And so blessing, this idea here is praising God and and glory, the, the radiance and splendor of God himself and wisdom and thanksgiving and, and praising him for who he is and honor and power and might. All, all of these things represent the uh, the God that we serve, and all of those things be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And so how, why wait until we get to heaven to do this? Let's praise him today. Let, let's, let's worship him every day. Let's, let's give him honor and glory. Let's wake up in the morning and, and not think about all the, the junk that you have to do today, but Rather, first of all, start your day thinking about the glory of your Savior, the, the, the promise of salvation, the eternal hope that we have, and give Him honor, give Him glory, and then deal with the day. But let Him have all of that and praise Him and worship Him. And then we get to verses 13 through 17, and now we see a description of the martyred saints that, that take place. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, what are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And so now we see that someone is asking the question, and it really it's a rhetorical question. He already knows. And, and, I, and I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And John was actually saying, I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, so can you tell me? And he said to me, They are they which came out of great tribulation. And I find this interesting because to, to keep this into the, the order of events and, and in this, this one here, it really does seem that it needs to fit at the, right in the middle of the, uh, between the, the first three and a half and the second three and a half that came out can also be uh, translated in the idea of coming out or away from the great tribulation. These people have died before the great tribulation takes place. And we know that because later on, uh, or or we've already um, we've already seen him say this that uh, rest, take your rest and wait because there are many more still yet to come. And so they they are they which came out of great tribulation and have uh, washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. I think I I, I don't know it, it just. 
It, it really is. I mean, you can see some hatred for Christianity around the world, but it, it has nothing in comparison to what's going to take place during the tribulation period. I mean, if you are showing signs that you are a follower of Christ and you haven't taken the mark of the beast, then you probably are going to die if they catch up with you. And therefore, they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more. You know, I, I think, I, I don't, I don't think, I, I know from reading this that I believe that there are going to be many believers who will die during the tribulation period from starvation. They just won't be able to eat. They're not going to take the mark of the beast. And so if they're not martyred by losing their lives by being killed by someone, then they'll lose their lives by uh, starvation. And so they're going to die. But here it says that they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. Some will die because of dehydration. Neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat. You know, it seems to me to insinuate that there is going to be extreme weather during the tribulation period too. And you, you look at this and the sun will uh, not light on them nor any heat. And why? For the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes. You know, the, it says that the lamb, first of all, he's going to be in the midst of them. I think about the perfect guidance and the perfect peace that God's going to give them. But then it also says that he shall feed them. You know what the word feed means? To shepherd, to pastor. Isn't that awesome? He, he'll be our pastor. The perfect pastor. You be, you'll be like, you get to heaven, and you're going to be like, Pastor Money had a long ways to go, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he'll be perfect in every way. He'll feed them, and he'll lead them under the living springs, the living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. You know, that's interesting, isn't it? It seems to insinuate that there is going to be crying in heaven. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't. Uh, I don't. I really don't believe that they can look down from heaven, and look down upon us. I, I don't see how that would ever be anything of any satisfaction in a place of perfection. If you can look down here and see this mess that's going on, but I think that they obviously. When they're there, they're, they're obviously you still have emotions. You have, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think you'll have regrets because we will have uh, these guys, I guess, maybe they haven't. We, we've already been through the, the judgment seat of Christ by this time. And so uh, praise the Lord for that. So I believe our regrets have been dealt with. All of our works have been judged and, and we're now in heaven, but... They come, and, and it must be fresh. I mean, they've been killed. They, they've died a horrible death. I mean, they have, they have seen some wicked things that have taken place in their, in their lives, and they've they watched their family die, and, and they've died themselves for their faith. And, and here we see that Jesus brings them, and, 
and, and dwells among them, and he shepherds them, and, and, and he keeps them safe, and they're, no longer do they hunger, no longer do they thirst, and no longer are they dealing with the horrible elements of the world of that time. And, and we see that, that he will lead them to these living fountains of waters, and it's there that he ministers to them in such a personal, perfect manner. Isn't that good? I think it does remind us of, of really why we're here today, guys. We're, we're here to tell people about Jesus. And, and sometimes we, maybe we need to learn to be a little more empathetic with people, and maybe sometimes we need to be a little more sympathetic to people. And maybe we need to realize that God hasn't placed us here for our selfish reasons and for our own selfish needs and wants that we have, but he's placed us here to really and truly make an impact on someone's life and, and be an encouragement and a help to them and give them just a little bit of a glimpse of what heaven will be. You know, we can look at Revelation and look at all of the negative impact of this, and it is horrible. And, and I don't want any of my loved ones going there. I want my loved ones to know for certain that they're on their way to heaven. I want our church family. I want everyone that comes to know Christ is their Savior and be prepared for that day. And, and because why? And, and, and here, but you know the thing that I keep getting out of this is we're seeing all the travesty that's taking place here in the world, but we're seeing such a beautiful description of, of what heaven is going to be and how good it will be. So let's live that way. Let, let's live with the focus of heaven, and let's not live in fear, and let's not live in anger and bitterness, but let, let's live with knowing that God has things under control. He's good, and he's gracious, and he's kind, and we have work to do. And so let's get out there, and let's tell someone about Jesus, and let's make a difference in someone's life for eternity. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, and I pray you bless our church family. I pray you meet the needs of each one who's here and work in their hearts and, and do something special in their lives. And Lord, I pray that you will uh, stir in our lives and use us greatly to make a difference in the lives of those around us. Give us courage, give us wisdom, what to say. And Lord, help us to, to give people just a little bit of a glimpse of who Jesus is by our own behavior. And I pray that you will bless and use us this week. I Pray you keep us safe and protect us in the ministries that we're uh, take, um, going out into the community this week. And I pray, Father, that you will use us to make an eternal difference in people's lives. Lord, thank you for revelation and the warning. And so, Lord, I pray that we take it seriously. That, Lord, we look to, to find those that don't know and tell them and warn them and see many come to trust you. Lord, we love you. We pray your blessings now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful evening.